this third Sunday of Advent, we are in the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament. Today we will be in Matthew 1, starting at verse 18, going through verse 25, and I will read that in just a moment. When Mark and I were first married, we went on a little road trip to Carmel. We were excited to get away and needed the rest, and on our way up, when we were consulting a map, we found a scenic little drive from the 101 to straight into Carmel Valley. And we decided that that would be a fun thing to do and kind of an adventure. Why always take the same path? While we were uh, just first starting to head up on that road, a car came out of nowhere and almost careened straight into us. I have no idea how it didn't hit us. And all of a sudden we were turned around and by the side of the road while that car sped away. Now that should have been our foreshadowing moment where we said, uh, maybe this isn't a good idea, let's go back to the highway. But we soldiered on, convinced that this was going to be a really, really fun thing. It was winter, so it got dark earlier. It had just recently rained and the roads were perilous at best. It was twisty and there were hairpin turns and we almost got stuck in the mud a few times. There were no lights. There were no other cars. We had no idea where we were, wondering sometimes if we were still on the road or if we were ever going to get to where we were going. I want to say that we sat back and laughed and enjoyed it and loved the time, trusting that everything was going to turn out. But actually, we went through a huge range of emotions on that road while fighting about whose fault it was that we were actually on this road and whether or not we should turn back. It's humorous now, but I felt like we just limped into Carmel and vowed to never go on that road again. This Advent, we're talking about how we are on a journey to the manger. We've talked about maps, we've talked about seeing family, and today we talk about what do we do when the unexpected happens to us. On most road trips, there is a point where we have to recalibrate because there is an upset or something radically changes our plans. And we're forced to deal with something out of the blue. A flat tire, a wrong turn, a bump in the road, an accident, being lost, construction, Siri taking us to a parking lot, being in a snowstorm and not having the right tires, our car stops or overheats, or we're thwarted by a road closed sign. This is what happens to Joseph. He was on a road where he thought he knew where it was going. He and Mary were betrothed to be married and perhaps everything seemed like a smooth trip into happily ever after. Then there was a major roadblock. He did not anticipate, foresee, or plan. Mary is pregnant and he is not the father. Now what? Joseph decides to divorce her, to distance himself from that situation, from that wreck, where he clearly is hurt. But the Lord has other plans. Matthew 1, starting at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. 
But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. Let us pray. God of power and mercy, open our hearts to welcome you this day. Remove anything that hinders us from receiving you. Jesus, we are listening to what you have to teach us today. Thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, give us your wisdom. Amen. In the Gospel accounts of the birth story, while Luke focuses on Mary, Matthew chooses to tell about Joseph, yet truly are both centered on the Lord. Various people come and go in the nativity story, and we can learn a lot from them. Yet it is Jesus who is the point of the Christmas account. Matthew's whole gospel is steeped in Hebrew scriptures and ethos. He shows a different angle than Luke, and it is a powerful, rich viewpoint meant to show the truth of the Messiah's birth. Here we see the Holy Spirit. We see revelation through a dream. We see prophecy. We see an angel. Without angels, we can't even imagine the Christmas story. They're everywhere. As Pastor Danielle explained to us last week, Mary went to go see her relative and stayed for basically her first trimester. By the time of this story, Mary would have been about four months pregnant. It says she is found to be with child, which means that the news had become known to others, including Joseph. But it could not have been widely known because Joseph is not having to make a public decision. Now, just a reminder, the process of marriage in their culture and time was a three-step process. They were probably engaged when they were children through a familial agreement. When they got older, sometime in their teenage years, there would have been a betrothal where they both agreed to the union. Now, before the betrothal, either one of them can step out, um, but once it's agreed upon, it's binding. The betrothal lasts one year, and during that time, they are legally husband and wife, although they don't live together. It can only be terminated by divorce. This is the status of Mary and Joseph's relationship at the time of this story. So we are unsure how much they actually know one another. We could speculate about this, but we want to stick to what we can read and know. We know that they've agreed to be on this road together, but do they love each other? Although both of their families have been involved probably in the process, we are only shown how Joseph grapples with this on his own. Now, when we hit a roadblock, 
with the plans we have for our lives, we have to trust that God has a different direction to take us. In Joseph's story, we see four strengths, four strengths that Joseph relied on to help get him through, to help get him back on the road. Character, revelation, hope, and obedience. So first, let's talk about character, the first strength that we see in Joseph. Matthew tells us that Joseph is a righteous man. This puts him in good company with many biblical figures, including some from the Christmas story. Elizabeth, Zechariah, Simeon are all called righteous. God chooses to fulfill his purposes with those who attempt to live with him at the center. The unexpected events of our lives reveal who we are, our character, our fears, our brokenness. When we are in a perilous spot and we're flung into the unknown, our character becomes evident. Joseph believes Mary has committed adultery. This must have ripped him apart, thinking how he was betrayed in this way. There was not another good explanation so far as he could see. Even if they weren't madly in love, they had an agreement. They had a plan. It would have been painful, perhaps thinking about how Mary was with someone else when she had promised her life to him. And it makes us think about what we do, how we feel when people let us down, when our lives are completely upended because of the choices of others. All of us have found our journeys waylaid, both personally and corporately, by the sins of others. And in those moments, we have to discern what God expects of us and act in a way that doesn't make things worse, but also isn't just us fleeing the scene of the crash as fast as we can. It was entirely appropriate for Joseph to obtain a divorce. He was within his rights and probably could have had her publicly stoned according to Deuteronomy. The law was on his side that way. But just because we can punish someone with the force of whatever legal means is available to us doesn't mean that we should. It might make us feel better to see the person hurt because they've made us suffer, but God often shows us another way. We get to see Joseph's process here in one sentence. It says, her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. This is what Joseph had resolved to do. The law allowed for a private divorce with just a few witnesses. In this way, he can maintain his own integrity while saving Mary's dignity the best he can. He may think she's an adulteress who broke his trust, and he doesn't condone her behavior, but whatever shame she has, and it may be plenty, it won't be because of him. Joseph wrestled with this decision, I'm sure. It's threading a fine needle to be able to uphold the holiness of God while also having compassion. 
Yet he finds a way to be faithful to the law and also to care for Mary. He doesn't abandon either in an effort to please one. And we think about the son that Joseph will ultimately raise, who will teach us just this balance. Jesus criticizes the devout believers and the leaders who strictly adhered to the rules without having mercy for those who were weighed down by their circumstances. Amid the wreckages of life, God desires for us to find a way through our holiness and our loving kindness. So what does this mean for us right now? The whole world has hit a roadblock. And how is our character being shown as we navigate these turbulent times? Like those who come before us, we have to grapple with what it means to follow God with the right heart. Where are you stuck right now? How has your character made things better or worse for you? I encourage you to listen to what the Lord is saying to you. The second strength Joseph had was what was revealed to him directly by God through the angel. This is huge because it gives him information that he needed. Most of the time, we don't know everything about a situation. This is one of the reasons why we should proceed with humility in sticky situations like this, seeking the Lord. Because he was a righteous man, we assumed Joseph prayed. Yet isn't it interesting that God allowed Joseph to work things out to the best of his ability and then he showed him the truth of what happened to Mary. I often have seen this in my life, and you probably have as well. God waits until we show who we are, until we make a decision, and then he tells us what is what. Matthew presents the story of Jesus as the fulfillment of the prophets. He shows us that we don't live in a silent universe. God is always speaking. We see this multiple ways in just these few short verses. Verse 23 is quoted here, and it comes from Isaiah 7, where the kingdom of Judah was under attack. Isaiah and his son went to the king and told him, God says for you to choose a sign that will be an indication of God's action. The king refuses, most probably because he is afraid. So God said, a young woman is going to conceive, and she is going to give birth to a child, and that is going to be the signal that Judah's enemies will be in ruins, but also that Judah will also suffer at the hand of their enemies. The child referenced in this prophecy was probably Isaiah's second son, whose birth showed that God was faithful to what he promised Judah. And Matthew uses it here to show how God is present with his people in sending his own son, who would bring a new kind of deliverance. This would be good news for all the people, especially for those in chaos and disruption. 
In Isaiah's time, in Matthew's time, and in ours, we need to know we have a God who is with us. Jesus brings all history together, and his birth shows that we are secure in him even when things are falling apart around us. God, who sees everything all at once and has plans beyond our small, ordinary lives, interrupts all the time to bring salvation to the world. But how do we know when God is speaking to us? Here, it was through an angel. But we know that God shows up in lots of different kinds of ways to those who believe. We hear about it in our own small community of faith. And when he does, we need to know it is for us. But that that word is also for other people, for future purposes that he is unfolding. Judah was conquered. Matthew's people lived in a time where the temple was destroyed and there was huge persecution. We are grappling with many different consequences of human choices in our world right now. Yet God's Son is born in the middle of that. And because of that, he will intrude on our nicely laid out journey for his eternal purposes. The question is whether or not we're open to his leading, whether or not we can see what he's doing beyond everything that we know here. Will we trust him when everything is falling apart? Or will we try to control everything? refusing to look at him and attempting to make it on our own. This brings us to Joseph's third strength, which is hope. When the angel gives a message, they tell Joseph what to call the baby. And with these two names, we see that it is what the child will do and also who the child will be, giving us profound truth in who Christ is. There is major Christological truth in these few short verses that Matthew gives us, the angel tells Joseph he must call his son Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation. This is correct because Jesus will grow and save people from their sins. The second name is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The name is one that is perhaps the most essential truth in everything that we believe as Christians. God doesn't give us a representation of himself. He gives us his very self, coming in person to share in our lives, in our griefs and our trials, in our joys and our triumphs. We don't find a way to get to God. He makes his way to us. Jesus is the God who is with us. Our faith isn't about having morals or set, uh, following a set of beliefs from a good teacher. It's trusting in the God who has come to fulfill everything that was promised to Abraham. Through Mary's child, God will live permanently with his people as their savior. No matter what happens on our journey, God is in our midst, living in us, going ahead of us, sitting and laughing or crying with us, forgiving us, comforting us, empowering us, protecting us, saving us, sending us out in his name. Joseph here is learning what this means firsthand. The God who shares our life interrupts our carefully mapped out course with his will. He has specific plans to rescue us from the dead end and the cul-de-sacs that we keep going around and around in. 
He rescues us when we are smashed up by the side of the road with nothing left. He saves us from the pits of despair, from oppressive forces, from hate and lies and diseases and the wars that we fight. Jesus is born for all of the messes and the muck that we get into, which is good news for all of us. While Joseph could not have fully grasped all that this would mean, he would have understood the huge importance of what the angel was saying. The beauty here is that the angel's words are coming true in real time for this young man. He is helping to bring the Savior, whose last words on earth would be a reminder that Matthew tells us that we are never alone. Jesus says, even until the very end of the age, I promise that I will be with you. Of all of the strengths that we find in our faith, this has to be one of the ones that we rely on the most. Emmanuel, the God who is with us. Lastly, Joseph finds strength in obedience. Even at the risk of reputation, he makes a bold choice, doing exactly as the angel said. Let's not gloss over this as though it was easy. Put yourself in this position. Remember, Joseph had a good and a fair plan, and then God changes it completely. Joseph undoubtedly was shamed by this scandal. He must have had doubts. This is a new detour on an unknown road that he didn't sign up for. Could this really be the way? Through everything they go through as a young family, we see Joseph conducting himself by doing what God requires of him. He and Mary surrender their lives to follow the son that they will raise, making them some of Jesus' first disciples. He would have been way out of his comfort zone. But God often calls us to let go of what we cling to, what we consider safe, whatever that means to us. Let's consider our own obedience right now. In the chaos of our world, God is at work. We may wish for all of this to be over, and maybe Joseph did as well. God chooses a different kind of road for us to travel. And more than seeking an end to the disruption, we need to be his people in the middle of it. Let's not look for an end to the hardship, but for his incarnation to make a difference in how it is we experience it. What has God made obvious for you to do? Are you doing it? Life in Christ is about surrender as we exercise our faith in him and our mercy toward one another. When the unexpected happens on our journey, it doesn't mean that the trip is a total disaster. Ultimately, we get through the difficulties, even when the road seems to stretch on forever. And hopefully, we will become different people because of the obstacles along the way. God always has something different in mind in these situations where we are stuck. Keep working it out. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep trusting that you will receive strength to persevere in a way where God is glorified because he has brought new hope and life to all who travel this path. We celebrate that hope and we know him as Jesus. Let us pray.
Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.